Greetings. How are we doing tonight, people? That was okay. Let's try that again. How are we doing tonight, people? That was another good warm-up, but we'll get there. All right. So, uh, for those of you that might not know me, my name is Ben Post. I'm on staff with Campus Ministry. We love gathering here on Sunday nights. We have some friends in the house tonight from Hungary. Friends in the back from Hungary. We're excited they are here. They are, they are part of a campus ministry on a campus in Hungary, and they are here in the United States checking out a couple things, and we are blessed to have them with us tonight. So um, if you have been attending the well on a regular basis, you know that we have been studying the book of Acts together uh, throughout this semester. Uh, and over the last few weeks specifically, we've been looking at the life of this guy named Paul. Originally, his name was Saul. He was very... Uh, Religious, he was very, he was Jewish, uh, and there's this thing that happened where these people started talking about this guy named Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection, and people started going in the ways of Jesus. And this guy named Saul was like, "No, we're not okay with that. You're ruining everything." And he was so opposed to this thing called the Way or Christianity that he was persecuting and actually killing Christians. Until, of course, he met the living Jesus himself. And as soon as he had this encounter with Jesus on the road, he's on his way to Damascus, everything changed. And his mission went from trying to stop this thing to doing anything and everything he could to keep it growing. And then he went on three big road trips, okay? So journey number one. We talked about this a couple weeks ago with Stacy. There you go. You got some blue arrows. That's a killer road trip right there, if you ask me. Uh, and sometimes, you know, road trips sound a little bit romantic sometimes, you know. He is not just sightseeing, checking out all the little tourist things along the way. He is doing anything and everything he can to stop in every city to tell people about Jesus. Okay? Journey number one. Okay, that was pretty awesome. Journey number two. There you go. Follow the, the white arrows all the way around. It's really hard to see that, but you can just tell that guy traveled a little ways, right? All right. So on the, on the first journey, he encountered some people who had some opposition. He wasn't really welcomed with open arms to these cities with great hospitality. And so there was such opposition that people actually tried to kill him several times. So on the first journey, he was stoned, and they left him for dead, and they thought he was dead, but then he was like, no, I'm not really dead yet. Let's do another trip. Okay, and then he goes on a third journey. This guy just won't quit. This guy, his life was wholly devoted to one thing. One thing. And every step that he took was, all right, God, what do you have for me here? I don't know where my next meal is going to be. It's not this like well-planned vacation that he was going from city to city to city. He was like, all right, God, where do you want me to go next? Okay, let's go. Oh, those people are are not going to like what I have to say there, but you told me to go, so here we go. All right? Uh, So this is his third journey right here. Uh, If you have a Bible, I encourage you to turn to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. And if you don't have a Bible with you, we have some friends in the back with Bibles. Just go ahead and raise your hand. We'd love to get one in your hands. Uh, You will want to follow along 
tonight because um, I think it'll be helpful. We're going to kind of walk through this a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. So Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 19, starting at verse 1. When Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. Okay, let's just pause here for a minute. There's some really important information in this passage. Paul went to where? Ephesus. Go to the next slide. All right, there's a picture of Ephesus for you. That's not really all that helpful. It's a map, okay? Sorry, Stace. I love maps too. Um, <laughs> Ephesus, <laughs> Ephesus was the leading city uh, of the Roman Empire. It was the most prosperous city of the Roman Empire, okay? It had one of the largest uh, ports, which was really important for trade and uh, commerce and stuff like that. It was the fourth largest city in the world. Fourth largest city in the world. It had a theater. Next slide. That sat 25,000 people. And if you sat in the theater, you could overlook the, uh, the harbor where all the ships came in. Uh, this theater happens to also be the very first place that Stacy and I have a picture taken together. There you have it. Anyway, moving on. Okay, so Ephesus was known for a lot of things, but what Ephesus was most known for was the worship of the great mother goddess Artemis. Okay? And Artemis had this temple which was considered one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Have you heard of the Parthenon? This was four times the size. It had 127 columns with ionic capitals on top. It was a worship center for Artemis. It was also a banking and financial center. It had a a few different functions. Artemis was honored with different coins that were scattered in 50 different cities throughout Asia Minor. So Ephesus was like the epicenter of Artemis worship, but her, her influence, if you will, scattered all over the world. And Ephesus was the epicenter of worship to the goddess Artemis. So now who is this Artemis character, right? She was the great mother goddess of money and prosperity and protection and fertility. She has some things that are visually depicting, emphasizing her role in the fertility. Some have said she is the many-breasted one, okay? Uh, So that's our, our friend Artemis. Not really our friend Artemis, okay. Uh, At the time, one in two women would likely die bearing a child. Whether it was their first child or whether it was their fourth child, one, half of the women would die bearing a child. Half of the children would also not make it to age three. But Artemis, this great mother goddess of fertility and of protection and of financial provision, she is the one that will help you get through these things. 
She is the one. So, if you have four kids, what's the reason for that? You would bless Artemis. You had a good harvest this year? Artemis provided. Bless Artemis. Your kid turned five? Bless Artemis. You got a raise in your job? Bless Artemis. All of this was as, as a result of who she is and the way that she is caring for you and your needs. Okay? So they lived in this culture where like, if we do this, then she will bless us with this. But if we don't, if we don't bless Artemis for this, or if my neighbor doesn't bless Artemis for this, the implications are huge. What if, what if your child doesn't make it then? The stakes were really high. And her influence was very, very significant. Okay? So, um, they would have all these little idols of Artemis that would look something like this. Okay? And you'd have these scattered throughout your house. You'd put one in the front room asking Artemis for protection. You put one in the kitchen asking for provision. You put one in the bedroom asking for, you put one on your office desk. Okay? So these were just everywhere throughout Ephesus. And so you would have these people that would make a living carving out these little idols of, Ephesus, of Artemis, and that's how they made they're living. And you can still buy these in Ephesus today. We'll set that right there for now. Okay, so now that we have a little bit of a picture of Ephesus and a little bit of a picture of who this Artemis character is, this is what, when Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. That's pretty cool, don't you think? All right, let's jump down to verse 8. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years So that all the Jews and Greeks who were in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Come on now. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Okay, so Paul is in Ephesus. He's in the epicenter of this Artemis worship. And he is boldly living out his faith and his trust. And he's proclaiming the good news about Jesus. Shockingly enough, some people don't like what he's saying. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to keep telling this story anyway. And he sticks around for two years, so much so that all of the province of Asia has heard the word of the Lord. That's pretty cool. Verse 18. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, 
The total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Okay, so as these people heard about Jesus, they realized that they had some things in their lives that were not necessarily in alignment with the story and the message and the way of Jesus. So they began confessing this stuff and divulging their practices is what it says. Divulge, to talk openly or publicly or let the cat out of the bag. Let's talk about this stuff that's really not what's supposed to be going on in my life. These things that are contradictory. And let's do what we can to just get rid of it all. So they had a huge bonfire with these pagan books that they had. 50,000 drachmas. Okay, you ready for this? A drachma was about a day's wage. So if you make $15 an hour and you work eight hours a day, for 50,000 days you have $6 million. Don't you think the resale value of those books could have been helpful for them? But they decided it wasn't worth compromising. And they were going to do whatever it took to eliminate anything that was evil or not in a line with God's purpose for their lives. Isn't that cool? Okay, so now we're going to finish our story in Acts chapter 19. But before we read it, I'm going to need some help. So I need seven volunteers to come on up here. Seven volunteers. Come on. Let's go. One, two, three. Not all at once. Just come on up. Just come on up. Seven. Seven people. Let's go. Okay. You get one of these. And 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 you can be Alexander. Okay. And you can be right here. And you can be here. And go get that to Janine for me. Um, this is for you. And this is for you. And this is for you. I need one more. I need one more. All right, come on up, dude. Okay, beautiful. All right, so I'm going to get you guys in your places. And you guys don't have no idea what's happening because we're going to read the rest of the story and you guys are going to help us act it out. It's going to be awesome. I'll say, okay, so... Uh, Gaius and Aristarchus, you guys are just going to like be right here for right now. I'm going to move this so it doesn't get broken, okay? You guys are going to hang out here. You and you are going to go hang out with your friend Paul over there because you guys are Paul's disciples. Um, Our friend Demetrius is going to stand over here with a workman and a craftsman. And Alexander, you're going to sit right here by our friend Annika, okay? Artemis, there you are, ma'am. Okay. Are we ready? About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in no little business for the craftsmen. He called the craftsmen together, along with the workmen in related trades, and said... And you see and hear how this fellow Paul 
has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that man-made gods are no gods at all. There is danger, not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited, and the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. When the craftsmen and workmen heard this, they were furious, and they began shouting, Great is Artemis! Great is Artemis! No, not really. Soon, the whole city was in an uproar. All right, come on, city, stand up. Be in an uproar. The people, keep, keep standing, keep standing, okay? The people... The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus. That's you right here. Yeah, grab them right there. Who were Paul's disciples from Macedonia. And they all rushed as one man into the theater. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. Even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theater. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing and some another. (laughs) (laughs) Most, Most of the people did not even know why they were there. The Jews... The Jews pushed Alexander, the Jews pushed Alexander to the front, and some of the crowd shouted instructions to him. Alexander motioned for silence. Alexander, there you go. In order to make a defense for the people. But when the crowd realized Alexander was a Jew, the crowd all shouted in unison, Great is Artemis! Great is Artemis! They did this for about two hours. The city clerk came and quieted the crowd and said, Fellow Ephesians, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image which fell from heaven? Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to calm down and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Then they can charge, press charges. If there is anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in a legal assembly. As it is, we are in danger of being charged with rioting because of what happened today. In that case, we would not be able to account for this commotion, since there is no reason for it. 
After he had said this, he dismissed the assembly. And when the uproar had ended, Paul Paul sent for his disciples. And after encouraging them, he said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, give yourselves a hand. Well done, well done. All right, thank you guys for your participation. Uh, If that was fun for you, you can do this again in like, you know, a few minutes, 10 o'clock. Okay, so Paul, I just don't really want her sitting up front stage, so we're going to put this down here. It's kind of creepy otherwise. Paul is on his third trip. He goes to Ephesus, the epicenter of Artemis worship, the fourth largest city in the world. And he goes there speaking boldly about the love and the grace and the truth of Jesus. And soon after that, the worship of this false goddess thing fell into a steep decline. So much so that this guy named Demetrius gathers together these other craftsmen and say, look, if this guy keeps doing what he's doing, we're out of luck. We have no hope for the future. We have no hope for protection. We have no hope for unless we fix this. But somehow, Paul goes into a place like that, a dark, pagan place, and he lives out as passionately as he can the life of Jesus and speaks boldly in that place. And when he did, that is what happened. Artemis starts to decline, and the word of the Lord spread throughout all of Asia. Artemis isn't this great mother goddess. Jesus. Have you heard of this guy named Jesus? He is the king and the creator of the universe. He is the one that offers us protection. He is the one that's going to take care of us. He's the one that's going to provide for us. It's not Artemis. And he just keeps telling the people in Ephesus about this guy named Jesus. If you look closely at the story in Acts 19, or if you were to read the book of Ephesians, which I think is helpful now that you have a little bit of context of what was going on in Paul's letter to the believers in Ephesus, uh, Paul actually borrows language from their culture that was common when they referred to Artemis, but he never publicly or explicitly like blasted her. It even says this in verse 37. These men have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. Paul simply speaks the truth about Jesus. And if you speak the truth about Jesus, the implications are everything else is false. If you just speak the truth about Jesus... The implications are everything else is false. 
So Paul went into this dark pagan city. He lived passionately. He spoke boldly about this truth of Jesus, and it changed the entire city, and it changed their culture. So much so that these people who were making these little idols felt threatened. He's going to put us out of business if we don't do something to stop it. So my question for us tonight, what if? What if we lived our lives in such a way? Boldly and passionately for Jesus. Boldly and unashamedly speaking the truth about who he really is. In all kinds of places. So much so that the gods or the idols or the sin or the Artemises of our culture began to decline. What if college parties on the weekend were canceled due to lack of interest? What if? What if when you are working that summer job this summer with those kinds of people, what if by the way you lived your life and loved them and cared for them, somehow instead of just being like, I just got to power through and just get through with this job, what if you were able to be used by God in such a way where you were able to change the entire culture of the workplace because of who Jesus is? If I read this story right, I feel like this is possible. This might feel impossible to us, but I feel like, I mean, if Paul can do this in Ephesus with this great goddess of Artemis, then surely we can do something here on a college campus. There are two specific things that I was thinking about throughout this week, uh, the last few weeks actually, that I think are a major problem uh, in our world today. And I actually think these two things are, are related. Pornography addiction is one of the most difficult to overcome, and it is a viral issue in our world today. I was looking up this stat this morning uh, on, a, on a website. There are 2.8 trillion and counting is the number of websites that have been searched since the start of 2015. And this website just has a counter that's just going by, like, not just single digits. 2.8 trillion web searches for pornography since the start of 2015. Just last week, Time Magazine published this uh, article. There was their feature cover story about pornography. Uh, this is why I think this is surprising, actually. I feel like the dangers of internet pornography, according to this article, are finally being considered in the media. For the first time, it seems like the media is saying, you know what, maybe there are some real dangers to this, to this thing, rather than, eh, who cares, just do whatever you want. The article highlights the growing porn industry and consumption among young people, and it also mentions other problems with pornography, like how it often celebrates degrading women and uh, normalizes sexual aggression and stuff like that. Thankfully, there are really great resources out there 
for people who struggle with stuff like this. There's triplexchurch.com, there's Covenant Eyes, and there is, uh, in my opinion, an incredible community to journey with and say, you know what, let's fight this stuff together. Let's talk about this guy named Jesus in such a way where this continues to increase and these things in our lives and this thing in our world begins to decrease. And maybe the websites will go out of business because nobody wants to look at them anymore. Because the pornography industry is so high at this time, uh, soon to be different, we hope, right? Um, There actually is really good money in that business. So, you know, people are paid to participate in these things, and it's become so ugly that there are people who actually get paid to sell somebody else to participate in a sexual act for somebody else. This is what we call sex trafficking. This is what's happened in our world. This is happening all over the globe. If you've been part of the passion movement, you've heard this and you've seen some of the stories of this. 27 million slaves modern day. What if, what if we were a community of people who said, hey, there's this guy named Jesus and he is the one who offers hope and he is the one that offers truth and he is the one that offers true freedom. And we're just going to tell people about this guy named Jesus. And maybe this thing over here will begin to decline because nobody's interested anymore. And this sex trafficking thing is not just a global issue. This is a real problem right here in West Michigan. And to help us feel this a little bit, we're actually going to show you a a few-minute video right here. What if, what if, because we want to be people that God uses to change our world, to change our culture, to change our community, to change our campus, we want to give us opportunities to do something practically to help fight against this in the next couple of days. So in a little while after we, after we sing, we're going to have somebody from the serve team come up and, and talk just a little bit about practical ways, that things that we can do just in the next two days to help fight this here in West Michigan. What if, <clears throat> what if, like Paul, We lived our lives in such a way that we cared about one thing and one thing alone. Jesus. And what if the life of Jesus consumed every aspect of our hearts and of our lives, of our mission, of our purpose, this is who I want to be. This is what I want to be a part of. And I think there's, there's more of you in here. And this is why you are here too. So what if we, together, what if? Please pray with me.
Jesus, we ask that you will change our hearts. If there is sin in our lives that needs to be confessed or practices that need to be divulged, I pray that you will convict each and every one of us and change us. We are in desperate need of you and your love and your grace and your, tr- and your truth to consume every part of our hearts. And Jesus, as you change our hearts, we ask that you will use this in such a way that the gods and the lies of our world fall into a major decline. For people who are trapped in sin, such as pornography, or people who are trapped in sex trafficking, God, we pray for freedom. Freedom that you can offer. We pray for the people on this campus, the people in our community, for our friends and for our families, and for the people we'll be working with this summer. God, use us in such a way that all people will come to know the name and the glory and the love of Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen.